the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. I am Seth Leibson. It is Thursday, June 2nd, 2022. Inflation in the Wall Street Journal up uh, on Tuesday, Joe Biden wrote. Ukraine and Russia in the New York Times yesterday. Joe Biden wrote an op-ed on that. Tonight he's giving a speech on guns. It was just announced. Three crises right there, all addressed from the president on high in one week. I could name more. But how about pick one and fix one? The inflation op-ed offered nothing that will solve the problem within the next five years. Ukraine and Russia is frankly a failure of foreign policy. And the gun issue is going to be the same speech every Democrat gives on guns each and every time. And nothing will be done because it's likely unconstitutional ab initio and not matched to the problem. There is, in other words, no nexus or what they call redressability in the field of equity law. There was a mass shooting in Tulsa yesterday. The victims were adults and the alleged shooter was a racial minority, so it will not get attention as it has not received attention. But shouldn't attention be paid? From what we can tell, it's a classic case of a mental health breakdown. Again, we'll see if Joe Biden says something serious about mental health tonight or if he decides to politicize it. I'm guessing he won't travel to visit the families in Tulsa. What I'm also guessing is that if there are no more shootings that meet the narrative in the next few days, the story will disappear next week and we'll be on to a new crisis as yet unforeseen. But there always has to be a crisis, so I know there will be one, at least one. Oh, I said if it matches the narrative. What narrative? I'll tell you what it's not. It's not when teens and young adults kill one another in our major cities. It's not when the killer trains his sights on people of the wrong racial makeup when he is of the other. And it's not when the killer does so in the name of a religious inspiration. This isn't really any kind of formal monologue. I'll give that at the top of the third hour. But I was thinking about these things when I just heard the president's going to the president is going to give a major speech tonight on gun violence. This was, again, as I say, after an op-ed in the New York Times yesterday on something wholly different, which was wholly different from the op-ed he had in the Wall Street Journal the day before. Pick one and fix one. I want to read to you some of what Daniel Henninger wrote in the Wall Street Journal today. I think he nails it and um, nails it bigly, as they say. He's right. He's writing about the belief that we need to actually do something, that doing something will produce the desired result. But what if we have arrived at the point where something close to the opposite is true? Bill Bennett used to say one of the best pieces of advice he got when he got to Washington, D.C. was don't just do something. Stand there. Step back and it's hard not to notice the American political system has built up so many solutions and sub-solutions to so many problems that what we have created is a system mired in sludge. 
The political left is forever in the streets screaming the system doesn't work for many people. Who could disagree? But they should take a look, a closer look, at what the system actually has become, whether the public schools, healthcare, criminal justice, mental health, climate, or for that matter, the Pentagon. It's a morass of laws, follow-on laws, rules, administrative procedures, court decisions, and revisions of revisions that have produced both unresponsive sludge and increasingly disasters. A sad political truth is that over time, doing something often produces less of its intended good. The social cost of this non-performance is significant, a spreading loss of faith in the entire governing system. The big story in the news before Uvalde was the baby formula shortage, the result in large part of the risk-averseness of the Food and Drug Administration. People wondered why the FDA so overcompensated on risk. The explanation lies in a long-ago impulse to do something. In the early 1960s, a drug for morning sickness called thalidomide caused the birth of deformed babies and laws were passed to tighten drug approvals. A mindset of hyper-precaution became embedded in the FDA's culture. The agency quickly erected a drug approval process of great complexity and cost, which often delayed the development of life-saving treatments. The high approval costs now estimated at about $2.6 billion per drug also means rarer diseases receive almost little or no attention. In 1969, under pressure to do something about air quality, Congress passed the National Environmental Policy Act. Today, there is little disagreement that that act, a case study in rule accumulation producing policy sludge, is eroding its own goals. Two weeks ago, after the Buffalo mass shooting, we described how the deinstitutionalization of the mentally ill in the 1970s presumably for their own good, led to homelessness. The system proved incapable of producing the do-something goal of community-based care. After George Floyd's murder in Minneapolis, pressure built to do something about police accountability. Last week, President Biden issued an executive order with 19 accountability measures. Over Memorial Day weekend in Chicago, 51 people were shot. One reason gun violence spiked in Chicago and elsewhere is that the police, under pressure from new rules and lawsuits, have retired or simply stepped back. The result is that neither police nor criminals are accountable. House Democrats are moving to vote on the Protect Our Kids Act, combining eight separate gun control acts. As a soundbite, it seems simple, it seems obvious, it seems straightforward. In practice, our too complex system degrades just about every public responsibility into nonfeasance. Why would gun control be different? Democrats in the media are raging at Republicans for refusing to do something about guns. Watched Majority Leader Chuck Schumer on the Senate floor last week, struck by the intensity of his animosity towards the MAGA political opposition. A top official like Senator Schumer is supposed to be a source of stability, but he's not even trying anymore. Why does the phrase MAGA have anything to do with the gun debate? It's become a pejorative. It's become an epithet. It's become something Republicans should, what, be wary of saying? MAGA? Is that a bad word? Make America great again? Only for people that don't believe America should be great, I suppose. This recurring dissent into political rage on the left and right as the makings of a systemic crisis if we aren't there already. As public confidence ebbs, the appeal of demagoguery spreads 
and it spreads past the fringe. This this won't end with an appeal for placating bipartisanship. That's gone. Years back, a democratic movement called Reinventing Government, an effort to streamline the bureaucracies, formed around then-Vice President Al Gore. But the big government forever Democrats, led by your Elizabeth Warrens and Bernie Sanders and the Congressional Progressive Caucus, they defeated that self-reform movement. I'm often reminded at this, at moments like this when you put Al Gore in charge of streamlining government, something Bill Clinton said in one of his State of the Union speeches very famously, that the era of big government is over. I'll celebrate that. As my uh, teacher and professor Charles Kessler pointed out, he said the era of big government is over, and you assume it means less government. He didn't say the era of bigger government is over. Big government can translate to bigger government. This refusal to tolerate reform in public sector performance created charter schools. It created businesses like Tesla and caused them to leave states like California for places like Texas. It created Donald Trump, as David Galanter said, it was time to throw the empty gin bottle through the glass window. It's an irony, isn't it? While the opposition after 2016 went mad over something called Trump, the Trump government's Office of Management and Budget under Mick Mulvaney methodically undertook a reduction in rationalization of many federal rules. Something like that, a flushing out of the system sludge before more of the fed-up public heads into the streets, is the only real answer. On taking office, Joe Biden reversed many of the reforms of what he called the previous president. So we're back to do something. And I'm afraid that that guarantees just one more thing. More frustration. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. As we go to break, let me put in a word for my friends at Balance of Nature. They're on my mind today because I uh, took a little extra. have been lately as I'm trying to beat uh, my timing on running. And I hit a new personal record this morning, <laughs> happy to say. But like that, uh, like that uh, old bagel commercial, you don't have to be a runner or an athlete to like Balance of Nature. You don't have to be – what was it? You don't have to be Jewish – to like, uh, what was it, uh, uh, Schneider's Bagels? You don't have to be an athlete to like Balance of Nature. It's 100% pure fruits and vegetables you take once a day, and you get the equivalent of a 10 servings of fruits and vegetables. Balanceofnature.com. Check them out, and make sure to use discount code BALANCE. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. If you're looking for a really remarkable investment opportunity with a great return for investors, check out my friends at Y-Refi. They are my friends. I've spent a lot of time with them, and I love what they're doing. They're offering a fixed no-load interest rate up to 10.25% for investors, all in a secure and collateralized portfolio. Y-Refi is a due diligence-approved firm run by really good people who are doing really well by helping others, and you can Two, check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, 
the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y dot com. Or give them a call at 855-316-3087. It's a local company. You can visit them. They're not going to give you a sales pitch. They're just going to talk to you about what it is that they do. And that will speak for itself. It did for me. InvestYRefi.com. That's it. Invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y dot com. Matt is in Phoenix. Hello, Matt. How are you? One thing that always bothers me is why do we fall into the narrative of it's gun violence? Is it any different if it's knife or club or being run over by a car? It's still violence. You know, Matt, that's really interesting. Let's think on that a minute because I was just reporting the other other day. Uh, it, it was it was a quick story. Uh, the media didn't spend a lot of time on it. You can imagine why. But the story was that uh, vi- uh, uh, violent deaths in London have surpassed violent deaths in New York. Uh, as you probably know, in London they don't have guns, and the attacks there are being done with knives. That's correct. Swords. That's correct. Exactly right. Exactly right. And those lives aren't any less dead and they aren't any less meaningful for the instrumentality or methodology in which they were lost. That's your point. And over there, they're reporting it now as knife violence. Yep. Yep. And I think you're on to something. I think you're on to something here, Matt, something big. Um, have you heard a lot of people talk about it uh, this way, the way you're suggesting it? Have you have you seen a lot of people make these? Well, with myself and my friends, you know, we're yeah. all gun owners, gun collectors, yeah. and, and that. And you know, it. We look at it this way: when there's a mass shooting, it's always the gun's fault, right? Yet when a drunk driver mows over a family and kills them, it's not GM's fault or or Jack Daniels. No, yeah, right. they blame they blame the drunk driver. Right, right, right. Uh, but but you know, violence is still violence. Yeah, Matt, uh, Matt, I think you are onto something here, and I think if we take your advice and talk about it as violence rather than you know um, homicidal violence rather than instrumentally instrumental violence, uh, I think we're getting b- closer and closer to the discussion that we really need to have. Which is what's gone wrong in a society where someone has, you know, 18 or 20 or 25 or 30, 35 years old, turns to violence. Um, Aristotle, right, in The Politics, he, um, he says, when man is perfected, he is the best of all animals. But when separated from law and justice, he is the worst of all animals. We should think about that. We should think about that. How do we make better men? How do we make better human beings? For isn't that really the issue? Let me um, let me pull up the full quote. It's early on in the politics. Uh, yeah, well, it's the quote is even more interesting than I thought. Okay, for man, when perfected, is the best of all animals. But when separated from law and justice, he is the worst of all. Since armed injustice is the more dangerous, and he is equipped at birth. With the arms of intelligence and with moral qualities, which he may use for the worst ends. Wherefore, if we have not virtue, as he is the most unholy and the most savage of animals and the most full of lust and gluttony. But justice is the bond of men and states and the administration of justice, which is the determination of what is just. The principle of 
of order in political society. Matt, I think I think this is a great point you're making, and I think we need to talk about how to make better human beings, how to have more respect for life, how to have more respect for law, how to have more respect for our fellow citizens, how to citizens, and how to have more respect for the very issue when it goes wrong. We knew, man, this country knew how to have respect for a lung-eating disease called COVID or the coronavirus. Boy, we knew we knew how to make a meal of that issue, didn't we? We knew how to alter all of society over that. All of society over that. Why, why, oh why, are we unable or incapable of doing it for other diseases? We are told that mental health disease should be thought of as no different than any other disease. You know, there are not causal factors. There might be activating factors, but the causal factors, you know, might be as 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 random as, as, as cancer or some other debilitating disease that is not your fault in acquiring it, which has been the stigma around mental health, which I think most people have gotten through and over and is in the past, most, mostly. The only way to further that along is to treat it like every other disease and talk about how we can have better human beings, how we can have the best of animals that are not removed from law and justice and yet are imbued with a determination of acting justly in a state with other fellow human beings. You know, if we had half the campaign on that, if we had 10% the campaign on that, that we had on leaving your groceries outside or um, wiping down your groceries and not petting your dogs and taking your clothes off when you came home from work, uh, all, all of which was big for about two and a half months until it was, re- until it was realized as ridiculous – and in opposite because we weren't dealing with a foma a, a disease a fometic disease you know but we sure know how to do it we sure knew how to do that we sure knew how to address as a national issue one specific illness one i don't know why we don't do it with mental health i just honestly don't do know why we don't because i'll tell you why I'll tell you why. You know why, Matt? Because we can all appreciate what it means to have a disease eat up and destroy someone's lungs. I guess we can all envision that. What we can't envision is how to build better men when a good portion of the educational industrial complex wedded to the left believes that men are the problem in the first place and toxic from birth. I suppose that's why manhood has been politicized, as has justice, as has respect for law and order, as has citizenship. I suppose that's the problem. And indeed, it's a bigger problem than just guns, as you can see from what we said about London. Matt, that's a good point. It reminds me of another point, Bill, too, I want to bring up later, which is that whole nettlesome issue of using the name of the uh, alleged assassin and not using the name Whatever happened to not using the name? I am seeing more use of that name 
the names of these assassins than ever before. What about not making them notorious? I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's a delight to have two great guests uh, in the studio with me. You have heard my general manager, Jim Ryan, talking about our uh, excuse me, stop traffic campaign, our stop traffic walk campaign. And we, in fact, are delighted uh, and privileged to have in the studio with us Jeff May, who's the executive director of the Dream City Foundation, which is working with us on this. Um, we'll get to Jim in a moment and the issue of trafficking here in Arizona, sex trafficking. But, Jeff, uh, as I do with every audience, uh, with every first-time guest, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little mini-autobiography, how you came to be doing what you're doing. Yeah, well, thanks, Seth. Thanks so much for having me on the show. And, you know, I, I came to be involved about three years ago heavily. But for quite some time, I've been involved with the Phoenix Dream Center. But about three years ago, I, I learned about the Where Hope Lives program, which is the largest human trafficking rescue and rehabilitation program in North America. We're actually the second largest in the world. And when I found out that this program was located in Phoenix and the amazing success of the work they were doing, I had to get involved. Fantastic. Well, we're delighted you are. And by the way, if people want to learn more about it or help out, we have a big link to it up at 960thepatriot.com. You can't miss it. So I have to sit up a little straight. My boss is sitting across from me, Jim Ryan, our general manager. Uh, A little nervous here on my side. But, Jim, you have been so dedicated to this cause. It's our second year in a row doing it. How did you get involved and uh, tell us what it is all about to you? Well, I think I'm kind of um, <clears throat> similar to a lot of people in that you, you didn't really know the depth of the issue. And a year ago when I was introduced to Jeff and, and Christy Sexton of the Phoenix Dream City, uh, Dream City Foundation, I went down and I toured the facility and I got really educated on it. And I think what took me away the most was I knew it existed like it was out there. And it's so atrocious that I think people think it's not pervasive because it's so extreme and unthinkable. And when I was there and I was getting educated on it and I learned that it's the third largest criminal activity in the world and that Arizona's the main hub for it in the United States, I, I, I was just like, how can this be and how come not enough people know about it? I mean, it was like a punch in the gut. And I, and I said – this is one of the sickest, most atrocious things in the world, and we're, where we live is like the main hub for it, and, and it just blew me away. And so I, you know, I toured the facilities, and, and your team down there did such an amazing job. They do such amazing work. Uh, I, I said, we've got to support this. We've got to find a way to help end this in our city, and so that's kind of how we got involved. We started our first campaign last may and raised an amazing amount of 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 money for the for the dream city foundation and we said we need to make this an annual thing if we can and so that's how we came back and did it again uh thank you for that and i'm glad to be a part of it a small part of it you've been a great leader on this jim and jeff sex trafficking human trafficking um people know that it's a bad thing, as Jim was saying. I don't think they know the extent of it. And it's almost become a thing that a lot of people may be a little 
even hesitant to ask what it means. They know they're supposed to be against it. So let me ask you to describe what it is we're talking about. What is the kind of trafficking we're talking about? How do you define what it is we're helping to uh, redress here? Well, there are many forms of human trafficking. There can be labor. and But the, the form that we address um, at the Where Hope Lives program is sex trafficking. And so that's specifically where money is given for sex acts. And so that... Um, the average age someone begins this work in Arizona is the age of 14, and but we ha- we've had people um, as young as nine who have gone through this, and we have people in our program who began being trafficked as, as early as the age of four. So this is something that goes on all ages, all demographics, and um, you know, unfortunately, the way that these people are groomed, a lot of them don't even know that they're being trafficked. We've had people come to our program, and in fact, I would say most people who come to our program don't realize that they were being trafficked. They think that there was this guy who was really nice to them, and that's just how they made money. Um, you know, they they would make money by sleeping with twelve men, twelve strangers for money a day, and that's how they would survive. And so, some of these people, it's it's it will not some of them. They've all it's, it's a brainwashing yeah. um, that takes place. And so, these traffickers are amazing at grooming these individuals to make them feel like they're lucky to get to do this. They're lucky to be some of them locked in dog cages with no freedom. Most of them have no say on what they do. Um, In fact, that's one of the biggest things that our survivors have to adjust to is the ability to make their own decisions about how is their hair look. Uh What are they going to wear that date? They've not been given those luxuries for for quite some time. Let me take a quick commercial break uh, and come back on some of that and some of what we're trying to address here and help out with on the prevention side of this because – you know, all of us believe that if we can stop it before it starts, what is it that they used to attribute to Frederick Douglass, the statement that uh, it's easier to make strong uh, boys than fix broken men. And I think that uh, a lot of us can agree that uh, an ounce of prevention is so much better than what we do once we see the results of a failed prevention effort. So we'll talk all about that when we come back. 960thepatriot.com if you want to learn more about this project we're involved in. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. Delighted to have Jim Ryan, my general manager, and Jeff May, the executive director of the Dream City Foundation, in studio with me, doing our best. It's said, and there's a problem. You can curse the darkness, or you can, you know, bring a light, light a candle. And uh, we're trying to do the latter part. Jim, tell us about the campaign. What the 960 the Patriot campaign is here on behalf of stopping human trafficking. Yeah, so uh, I got together with Jeff uh, a, a month or so ago, and we said, what do we want to do this year for it? And, the, and your listeners, Seth, have heard me say this many times in some of the commercials that we've been running for this campaign, where one out of every hundred victims is actually saved. And you know, th- think about that for a second. One out of every hundred. So the issue is, and by the way, when they are rescued, there's no place that does a better for them than the Phoenix Dream Center. Um, and and so uh, that needs to be said, and the, and the 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 work they're doing is off the charts. Um, but if it's only one out of a hundred, 
I mean, think about that. We need to stop this before they get in that position because so many don't get rescued. And so we said, what do we do on the prevention side? And that's when Jeff came to me and said, well, actually, the Super Bowl is coming here next year. And the Super Bowl, when that happens, it, it doubles or more the amount of trafficking in those cities. It's a, it's a huge, huge increase. And so they've partnered with, and I'll let Jeff, you can elaborate on this, but, but they've partnered with the schools here in, in the Valley. And our goal is, with this campaign, to get 100 assemblies to teach the teachers, the students, and the parents, and the admin about how to spot this and stop it. It's all about online safety. And Jeff, if you will, maybe talk about the online safety and, and the prevention part of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so in, in 2020, when we were all in lockdown, um, there was this hope that maybe human trafficking would decrease because people weren't seeing in person. But actually what happened was um, the online activity doubled. It went, actually increased by 96%. So um, because most of what these traffickers use is online, they lure these their victims online. And so they're grooming them through social media, through various forms online. And so what we want to do through this campaign is to educate kids and to educate parents about what to look for. Because, you know, when, you, when you're 13 years old and somebody tells you you look nice, you look pretty, you're flattered by that. But most people would see that and say something's not right about that. And that's where a little bit of education goes so far. Because these traffickers know what they're looking for. And if somebody doesn't respond to those comments, that's one of the biggest things they can do to prevent it. Because they realize, okay, this person isn't going to bite. They're not going to take it. And so it's, it sounds so simple and almost too simple, but really just getting the word out about not only kids knowing what to look for, but parents being involved with their kids' online activity. Because as parents, we're, we're you know, the gatekeepers for our kids' safety. So that's a big thrust of this campaign is to monitor the kids' online activity and to know what the signs are to know what to look for. You know, that's a really good point, and I think it's really problematic because even with my kids, you know, I'm not in their social media all the time, uh, and I think parents are reluctant to push that envelope because they get pushed back and they don't want to be oppressive and feel like, but, but why not? What's in there that they shouldn't be able to see? So that's a really good point. Yeah, and I have I have three children as well, and and honestly, you know that's one area that from day one when my kids um, got their phones, got their computers, I let them know, hey, this is my computer, this is my phone that I'm letting you use, and I'm your friend. I want you to have a degree of privacy, but you need to know at any time I may ask to look at your phone, and that in and of itself, accountability can just keep keep things um, a little more on the up and up. And so there are just some, a few steps that parents can take to ensure their, their child's safety and, and some things that kids can do as well. Um, even with their friends, we've had a lot of people who have gone through some of this training and when they've stopped potential activity with their friends. So it's not just about yourself or even your kids. It's about just having an awareness of what to look for. And these assemblies really equip the schools to do that, the the students. And part of the assemblies as well is we provide training for the administration, for the teachers, so that they know the signs to look for and they know what to do if they see somebody because there are steps that they need to take uh, for a safe resolution of those kids who are potentially trafficked. Jeff, is there a um, is there a typical or a majority or a plurality pattern 
that you can instruct parents on or at least tell parents on a pattern of vulnerability? Is there a standard or typical or even, as I say, plurality or, or, or often frequency of what you see as leading to a child becoming sex trafficked? You know, there, there really isn't one. I would say if I were going to simplify it, these traffickers don't necessarily look to the homecoming queens. They look for the girls next to the homecoming queens who are their friends, who are maybe not the ones who always get the awards, but they're always there. And they always want to reach out to those people and say, you know, I know that your friend gets all the notoriety, but we really notice you. They always notice those people. So these are very confident people, but they're maybe not the people who are always winning first place. They might be the people who are kind of in the crowd. Mm -hmm. And so they really prey on those vulnerabilities, and that's, that's who they reach out to. Go ahead, Jim. I was just going to say that there's um, an update on the campaign oh, that I want your listeners to know about. Our goal for this campaign was $50,000, which will fully fund the 100 assemblies in schools or in uh, assemblies in schools valley wide uh, this fall. And uh, we had raised somewhere, I think, in the teens, 15, 18,000. I don't have the exact number in front of me. But we had a generous donor, anonymous donor, come in and, and donate $20,000 as a rule of a match. So they're saying any donations that come in for the next week, we will match up to $20,000. So, you know, I'm asking the listeners to recognize how huge that is. This is our opportunity to get to 50K, you know, because if you guys can step up and donate $500, $1,000, whatever it might be, and this generous donor is going to match all those donations up to 20000 we can hit the 50K. And, and, and so that's the message I really wanted to relay is our, our audience steps up so many times when we do these campaigns and we're selective about the things we do. We don't do a ton of them, but when we do, our audience steps up and they call me personally, especially if it's a business owner, they can call me and they can make a donation through their business and I give them back that donation, the amount in advertising on the radio station. That would apply here too. If a business owner donates 5000 the match would, would make that a $10,000 donation. And so um, I'm just asking them to step up so we can hit our goal of 50K. Good. And 960thepatriot.com, they can go and learn more. Or call uh, me for the business benefactor. you got to call me at the radio station number, 602-955-9600. That's the business office, 602-955-9600. Uh, we have to take a quick commercial break. I'd like to keep you both just one more short segment, if, if if you don't mind. I would love it, Jeff, if when we come back you could give the listening audience maybe three or five takeaways, just to, things to be aware of, things to look out for, things they can do between now and one of these assemblies. Is that okay? Great. I'm Seth Liebson, Jim Ryan, of course, our general manager, and Jeff May, the executive director of the Dream City Foundation, dedicated all with your help in the audience to stopping human trafficking here in Arizona. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. We're talking with Jeff May. He's the executive uh, director of the Dream City Foundation, which is dedicated to uh, stopping uh, human trafficking. And Jim Ryan, my general manager, who's launched this campaign with you, the audience. <clears throat> the audience is uh, chipping in to help. Uh, Jeff, and they're chipping in to help uh, help the prevention side of this, to stop it before it happens, stop human trafficking before it happens. We're going into the schools. You're going into the schools to do this. Talk talk to us about the presentation that uh, schools can expect to see. And by the way, if you're a public school, a private school, parochial, whatever, charter, 
you're there for them. Absolutely, yeah. So we we actually have three different assemblies that we're, we're that we present um, because you can't talk to a six year old about human trafficking the same way you can talk to a high school student. Right. So we have an elementary assembly, we have a middle school assembly, and a high school assembly. Um, the elementary assembly primarily focuses on online safety and what they can do for online safety. Um, the high school program talks about that, but it also gets pretty pretty um, to the point about human trafficking. And the middle school's kind of somewhere in the middle. Um, and so these these assemblies, um, they've been produced by an award-winning team. They're fantastic. Um, we're really excited to see these go out and um, just make an impact um, and try to prevent some people from getting into human trafficking this year. Jim? One of the things that we were so excited about with this campaign is we know that it has to start in the schools with the parents' involvement, of course, and, yes, the help of the administrators. But 100 schools is our goal here, 100 schools throughout the Valley. And it's in a, we're offering it to every school district, right? No That's discrimination correct. between any districts or whether, as I say, they're, they're charter private or, um, or, or general public. Jeff, uh, takeaway, a couple takeaways for the audience that's listening right now, parents, uh, two or three things they should be on the lookout for if they're concerned or should be concerned. You know, parents need to be watching, first of all, above all else, they need to be watching their kids' online activity, and they need to be monitoring that. Who are their friends? Do they actually know their friends? Mm. A lot of kids have friends that they say, oh, I don't know. They're a friend of a friend, and that's what these people do. They make friends in these networks so that they feel safe, but if they don't actually know those people, they should not be their friends. Know your kids' friends. Absolutely, and know your kids' friends on social media. Mm -hmm. And I would say the other thing to do is just to be engaged with your kids and to be having conversations because one of the one of the common signs when people get into this life is they start to see the kids withdrawal Mm -hmm. and they start to see a change in behavior an a student all of a sudden becomes a c d or f student Um, someone who's who cares a lot about their grades suddenly doesn't care at all those changes in behaviors parents need to be on that and not just chalk it up to being a teenager or being a kid they need to engage and really dig down deep to try to find the answers to those and make sure that their kids you know that that's that doesn't mean that they're involved in trafficking But um, if, if there's, there's something a... that looks wrong, there's usually something that is wrong. Exactly. And that's exactly right. Jeff May, Phoenix Dream Center, Dream City Foundation. Thank you. And Jim Ryan, thank you. For more information, anyone listening and interested in this, 960thepatriot.com will get you right there. Thank you both, gentlemen. Anything? Thank you, Seth. Yeah, you bet. Yeah, thanks for having us. I'm Seth Liebson. We will be right back. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.